Welcome to the B-Side Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Frank, and today I have, believe it or not, guys, y'all are going to freak out. This episode is probably one of the most well-put-together episodes I've done in the last year, and today we are talking about that big lizard, as the Spaniards called them, or in their native language, the El Laguerto, Gorto, not sure. Anyway, if you don't know, that is the king of the swamp. That's right, the American alligator. I have the president of the Louisiana Trapper Hunters Association on, and we're going to jump right into it. All right, so I am here today with Tony Howard. He is the Louisiana Trapper and Alligator Hunters Association president, and he's also on the Alligator Advisory Council. He is the wild alligator hunter representative on the council. How you doing today, Tony? I'm good. How are you? Good. So let's start talking. So we're going to go basically from A to Z with this, you know, from preseason when t- tags are allocated all the way down to um, making sure your meat hide doesn't spoil. So we'll start at the beginning. So. Um, let's talk a little bit about how the t- tags are allocated and how to be to hunt alligators. What all the steps that have to be happen before you can hunt an alligator in Louisiana? Okay. Um. So, but before the season starts, you got to get your tags. Um. So, how do they? distribute the tags for alligators i'm not real sure how they come up with what they do on the lottery hunt i just know that alligator hunters they are the nuisance hunters which are you know to remove or nuisance problems then you have tag system and you are allocated so many tags per acreage of alligator habitat. And then you have the lottery draw where Louisiana residents are able to draw for um, alligator tags. And it's, the, it's used to keep the alligator numbers managed. Yeah, and um, I know with the tag draws, it's in sometime in the summer. Um, I forget the exact dates. They open it up. You submit your name. There's a fee for it, but you do get preference points. So if you don't get drawn, um, like this year I didn't get drawn. So next year I'll have two names in the hat when it goes to the drawing. Um, and you get selected, and it's three tags a hunter. And you can have assistant hunters, which, uh, so to be a hunter, you have to have an alligator hunting license. And um, we actually had talked about it, which is one thing that Louisiana does with their alligator license. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how Louisiana doesn't differentiate the licenses based on whether you're a recreational hunter or an alligator or a commercial hunter in Louisiana, Tony? Uh, they're just all considered a commercial license. It's not a difference. It is a commercial license, so therefore, uh, everyone gets the same license. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I really wanted to put out there for Louisiana, because that's different than a lot of states. A lot of states, when you get an alligator tag, or if you get one or two tags drawn in them states, they're trophy tags, you know. So you buy a sport license. Louisiana, if as a lottery recipient, if you just want to sell the alligators, you can do that also. So let's go ahead and move on um, to, you know, you drew your tags, you're going out. What makes good alligator habitat? In the state of Louisiana, water. (laughs) That sounds crazy, but... Virtually every mud hole has an alligator in it. 
um, nowadays. What do make better habitat are, of course, the food food supply. Whenever you, the the better the food supply, the better you're going to have habitat for alligators. Uh, alligators do like to have deep water um, or deeper water that they can get into for temperature ranges and for safety. So, you know, a shallow lake or a shallow water property is not always as conducive as something with a little bit deeper water. And deeper can just be up to 8 foot, 10 foot, 25 foot. It, it doesn't matter. It's just deeper water. Deeper water areas. Okay. And when you're scouting for them, is there but deeper water areas and all, is there any terrain feature that you've noticed that actually like seem like they hold larger alligators in it? Mm, not necessarily. Um, not up here where I'm at. I'm, a, you know, I'm of course in the north end of the state. Uh, big bulls. They will, you know, get in. Sometimes you will have a big bull that will get in an area, and he just stays right there in that area. But that is more uncommon. Generally, the big bulls will go roam and get out in a, you know move a little bit, whereas the females will stay close to one area. Okay. But not necessarily. Yeah. Um, so another thing, like, so our alligator season starts end of August, um, and it goes into October. How does the weather affect the alligator bite? Uh, whenever I started years ago, I had, a uh, gentleman tell me that the second week of September, there's going to be a cold front move through every year. That was 13 years ago, 14, 14 years ago now, and there has been a cold front move through the second week of September just about every year that I can remember. It's give or take a day or two, but that second week is going to be a cold front. And that always calls them to have a lot, y'all. It also signifies to them that Colder weather is coming. It's time to pack on the calories. And so right behind that cold front, whenever it warms back up a little bit, they will start eating, and you tend to catch pretty good alligators. Yeah, and I know um, talking about that cold front, last year with uh, when I drew my tags, we sat there, and um, due to a few different things, we just weren't able to get out till October, and it was like, I think it was like 40 degrees and we're like, man, we got to set these lines. It's getting up to 70 mid midday. Maybe we'll catch some alligators, but we, we are running out of time to catch them. And we wound up, it got up to about 80 the following day and it stayed in about 75, 80. And we actually relatively easily caught three alligators within two days. So I've seen that. Um, so we've done our scouting. Now we're moving on to actually setting these lines. Uh, what are the legal means of take for alligators in Louisiana? In the state of Louisiana, on a lottery hunt, um, the legal means of take is hooking line. And you have to have specific size line. And I'm actually flipping in the book here trying to see if I can get to that. Trying to remember the size line. I always use number 96, either braided or tarred, twisted twine. And it does meet the uh, weight requirement for the actual line that you can use. On the hook size, I always believe in go big or go home. So I use a, a larger number 14 out hook. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I know when I went to go set up mine, um, I, went, I went into one of the, we have a bunch of local um, commercial fishing shops. And I asked the guy, and I was like, I'm going alligator hunting for the first time. And what what hooks do I need? And the guy walks up, and he goes to the shelf, and he grabs the biggest hooks, and he hands them to me. And he's like, this will be about what you need. And I was like, okay. And uh, I'm going to actually put a picture so everybody can see the size of these hooks on the Instagram. And to where you can see what we're talking about when we say a large hook. Um, and... Uh, so we covered hook size, um, the line size. So 
what do you use for bait? During the lottery hunt for uh, residential hunters, the only thing that you are legally allowed to use are commercial bait. And so for me, I just use chicken legs, chicken quarters. Um, I will buy the bags of chicken quarters. <clears throat> I would prefer them to have a lot of water in that bag. It's a vacuum sealed bag, but it's, you know, it's got a lot of liquid in it. The wetter they are, the better they seem to work. I want big, huge leg quarters. And I, of course, go ahead and I pre-hook my line. I put my hook in my chicken as soon as I get them. I hook them a very specific way with the fat up. So I will put my hook through the fat on the top, come around the leg, right at the knuckle joint or right at the you know, the thigh to the leg joint. And then I'll come back out of the chicken leg where the fat hangs up. And what that allows is that fat acts as a fun block. It will help keep that chicken as wet as possible. And then I actually take a five-gallon bucket full of water and drop the bait already hooked, just hang the line out. I just drop it down in the bucket. Let it sit out at ambient temperature for 24 hours and go ahead and tank. Get a little bit of smell to it. That way you're catching things you hang it. Plus you're making some good chum. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what we used last year. And, man, that was phenomenal because I can tell you we just hooked the chicken and let it hang. There was no rhyme or reason what we did. Um so is there a way, though, that if, you know, if you're looking for a big alligator, um, whether it be for price reasonings or just for the trophy reasoning, is there a way to target them bigger alligators and kind of weed out your smaller alligators? Not really. And the best thing to do is scout. Find your bigger alligator, know where he's hanging out, and hang your hook directly under him or, you know, directly over him, you can, you know, you want to hang your bait high enough that you're not getting it knocked down and pulled down by um, soft shell turtle. You know, they'll stick that long neck out and they'll reach and grab. So you, you want to make sure you get it up above them. Um, there are some things that you can do to try to keep the little alligators from, you know, just snatching it down and knocking it down. But a five-foot alligator can virtually clear the water coming out like a swordfish and get up there and get on his tail and get that bait. He can come out the water a long way. So the best thing to do is actually scout and try to know where your big alligators are hanging out. And a lot of times you can just ask local fishermen. You will hear people talking about it on the public lakes, you know, where they've seen big alligators hanging out. Yeah. Um all right, so we've got our bait. We got it hung above the water. Um, what do you use to hang yours? And it's because last year we used clothespins and it worked okay, and we didn't have any knockdowns. But is that pretty much the easiest thing to do? Is use a old style clothespin and hang it? That's probably the easiest way to do it. Um... I don't use clothespins because it's hard to find a good quality clothespin. I don't know if you know what the little metal paper clips are. I'm pretty sure everybody does. They have the little, they're black. They have the little silver things that flop one way or the other. And you can take and open them up and bundle up a lot of paper. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Those, those little paper clips are not the big ones. You think, well, the bigger the paper clip, the better it works. They don't work that way. The smallest one they make works perfect for number 96 twine. And I will take and clip it. You have to clip the line, and you have to put something through both of the, the, the pressures that come with it. If you just put it through one side, 
it can actually flip around and 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 cut your line. But these little things actually hold up a lot more weight. I have personally quit using any of that, and I've gone to a number 10 copper. And what I do is take that number 10 copper and make like a Chinese handcuff. I wind it around my line and then make a hook on the end of my line so high. Then I will take and use that same copper up on the tree, and I will wind it around the tree and make a hook there. So I have to take a little bit of time getting my height set. But once I put it up there, that I have two two points that will break away whenever an alligator gets on there. And that number 10 copper, they'll straighten it out and pull my bait down that way. And I can literally hang two chicken legs that way. Okay. I can hang I can hang three or four pounds of bait that way. All right. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention while we were talking about the tag allocations and all, if you draw on a WMA, make sure you check the regulations not only for alligator hunting but also for the specific WMA. Um, because last year we looked at Salvador where we drew our t- where I drew my tags. And one of the things that you can't hunt them during teal season. So I think it's like alligator season opens for like a week or two. And then teal season came through and we would had to stop hunting anyway. So uh, I just, that came up in my head and I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> and before I forgot. So, all right. So your alligator, he's eating the chicken. He's on your line. What is the safest way to get an alligator to the boat? Whenever you get that alligator caught, you know, you, you see a lot of people trying to pull and, you know, it, it looks like a really, really big fight. I never try to do that. I try to ease that alligator up as quietly and simply as possible, not making a lot of noise and not trying to disturb him. You, you get one chance at it, but I pull him up to the side of the boat very slowly, ease him up, get my rifle ready. And whenever he comes up, I try to dispatch him immediately as he's coming up to the surface or right at the surface with a 22 caliber or a 22 magnum rifle. And I don't want to fight. I don't. I don't want him to, you know, start pulling and fighting. It, it makes everything more complicated when you have that happen. Yeah, um, and I and I agree. Um, we had, you know, he was saying that and last year when we caught ours, we had one that tried to swim when I was pulling him up and the power behind that alligator was just uncanny. Like I tell everybody, I would have thought, um, my buddy that was hunting with me, put the boat in gear. That's how much, that's how fast he took off. And the only one that we had acted wild was in shallow water. We had set it where we had seen a big alligator hanging out on the point. And the water had dropped out on us, and there was a six inches to a foot, and that alligator was just rusting it. And we pulled up, we scared him. So he was scared on us pulling up. But so, and we talked about the best and most humane way to do it is a 22 caliber long rifle or magnum. To there's a soft spot in the back of the skull, and is there a good way to describe where that is, or is it just right at the it's a it's a bone on top of the alligator's head, and right where that bone, where the two meet, the bone and the soft tissue meet, right directly in the center of that. And I actually always double tap my alligators. The first shot renders them, you know, I'm trying to render them unconscious, if you will. And then I take the time to get him positioned properly and put the second shot in and, you know, aim it at a 45-degree angle back into the brain. I am trying to make sure that I take the brain out on both sides, and that ends it all right then. All right. So... After you dispatch it, before you pull it in the boat, is there anything you do to that alligator? I try to take, I try to take his mouth shut if possible. 
it's possible. Specifically, if I have help, I can do it pretty easy. If I don't have help, it's a little bit more difficult. But I try to take electrical tape. It's good quality 3M electrical tape. And tape that mouth shut. Whenever you do that, you remove any chance of getting bit by a dead alligator. I know that sounds crazy. But you could, you know, ever actually them people that have wound up with an alligator biting them on the leg, even though he was dead, his mouth closed on them. Or have an alligator vomit in your boat. It's a very common thing that once you dispatch the alligator, he may you know, he'll vomit the bait back up in your boat. And you just don't want to take the long ride home with the alligator with that in there. So I'll take his mouth shut as soon as possible. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about it still moving because it's a cold-blooded animal, you know. Just like when you catch a Correct. frog, it still jumps. Um, I, The first time we did it, the first alligator I ever went to put a the CITES tag in, when I went to go make the insertion for the CITES tag, it yanked its tail away from me, you know. And I was like, well, is that is it still alive? And then he tried to not crawl out the boat, but he was, he flipped the chair in the boat and everything else just from moving around after he was right, their nerve, Right. Yeah. Their nerves will move for a very long time. Uh, one of the importance of, you know, icing them down and try to get those nerves down, kill the nerve. Um, also keep in mind that one thing is, is if the alligator winks at you, he's not dispatched. Okay? Always keep that in mind. You should be able to touch his eye, and he will not wink at you. Um, I know that sounds hard, but it's a very good indicator. You know, the last thing you want to do is put an alligator, a live alligator in a boat with you, thinking that you had dispatched him properly. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, talking about putting that tag in that tail. I use a very specific knife to do that. I use a four-inch thin boning knife. You know, there's a specific place that that tag needs to go. And just pulling your pocket knife out, most people will think, oh, I'll just pull my pocket knife out and I'll stick it in there. That's not actually the way it works. It's pretty hard to cut through the alligator tail. So I have a very specific knife that I use. Um, and then, so at what point that you, at what point in alligator hunting do you start thinking about preserving the hide and the meat of that alligator? Believe it or not, whenever I set the hook, you want to make sure that there's nothing that the alligator can get hung up or tangled on that could potentially damage the hide or, you know, puncture and mess up the meat. You know, in Louisiana, we have a lot of different things out there from punking oil structures in some of our lakes. Um, you name it, I've seen it all. You have too. Rebar, old dock. You want to make sure that you hang your hook where, you know, he's not going to get tangled up in something metal that could damage the hide. But as soon as you dispatch that alligator, Make sure that the bottom of your boat has some, it's either cool, you cool it down with water, or a put a blanket in there. I literally will put a moving blanket in there and pull them in on a moving blanket because you don't want to, you don't want to throw an alligator in on a frying pan, the bottom of your boat. You know, we're walking on it. We don't really think about it much, but bottom of your boat can sometimes be well over 120 degrees if you're out there in the sunshine just letting it letting it cook getting hot um and what are some other ways to you know keep that alligator hide or meat from spoiling um because you know like right now it's that i know down here i don't know how y'all weather is but we're sitting there we're having 100 degree plus days for the last month and a half you know and the alligator season starts next week so it'll still be 100 probably 100 something days you know um so what are some ways to again keep 
I use I use the moving blankets. I just go buy them from Harbor Freight. They work really really well. Um, the thing that you want to keep in mind when you when you dispatch that alligator, you, the clock starts ticking. You need to get him on the ice as soon as you possibly can, up to and including carry a couple of bags of ice with you. You're doing this for a uh, you're doing this for a trophy. You're doing this for you know a, uh, the meat, whatever the reason may be. Have faith in yourself and carry a little bit of ice to put on there and get them cooled down. I'll take and wrap them up in those blankets and throw you a couple of bags, you know, inside on the uh, one right between the legs and one up, you know, midway. Bags of ice and just let them cool inside that blanket. You want to make sure that you cover them up all the way and get them out of the sunshine. Try to get them um, covered. Also keep in mind, you don't want to have two foot of tail sticking out the back end laid up on the side of an aluminum boat cooking while you're going back to the boat ramp. Make sure that you protect the entire length of the alligator from the sun and the bottom of your boat. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, and, you know, it's not like a fish where you can throw it in an ice chest. <laughs> no. So. I mean, some of them... You catch, you have a big enough ice chest, you can take them up and take them in an ice chest, yes. But you're hoping that you catch one that's much bigger, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. You know? um, so, before, or well, this this actually should have happened before you ever went out to go catch them, but what are some of your tips for, like, preparing the skin, the alligator? Ah. Uh, Again, like you've seen where I put out the post on Facebook where I tried to help people out with that. The number one thing is have faith in your ability to catch an alligator and have all your skinning area set up before you set your hooks. The last thing you want to do is have an alligator sitting there needing skinning and you don't have anything set up. Um... I recommend having you a table. You can build it out of saw horses, um, saw horses and two by eight, saw horses and two by sixes. You know, get it set to a good height that'll hit you around the belt buckle or a little bit higher. I uh, also recommend having your knives set aside and ready to go. I use very specific knives. I uh, I use a four-inch bony knife. You can use a carpet knife, a razor blade knife. You know, there's just multiple things you can do. Once you get them set up, there's another thing that I also think that a lot of people do not understand. If you do not have someone to help you skin that alligator and you're skinning it by yourself, or even if you just want to rig it up, if you can put that alligator under a shade tree or preferably under a top, under a roof somewhere, make sure you have some string, some good twine, so you can pull those legs up. It's just it's a lot easier to be able to pull that leg straight up in the air and skin right down the leg. Sounds real, real simple, but it, it, it makes a huge difference when you're skinning that alligator. Um, one of the first things that I do, of course, is cool it down. Get that thing buried in ice and try to get the core temperature pulled down because unless you have a that you can air condition, you're going to be, be at the elements. If you want to get that core temperature pulled down, it may take up to 50, 60, 100 pounds of ice and ice that alligator very well. You know, Of course, a bigger alligator may take more. Before I skin all my alligators, I take and put Clorox. I use Clorox bleach and a scrub brush like you would scrub your tires and rims with. I actually pour the Clorox right down the center of the back and then just scrub them real good. I actually, I actually have a low pressure or a lower pressure, like a 25, 2,000 pound pressure washer. 
and I will use that, but I'd recommend just using a garden hose with a sprayer because you can start knocking the high, you know, you can start knocking the scales off if you use too high of a pressure and you put it on there too long. So clean them up real good with Clorox. And now what that does is that helps kill any bacteria that's on the outside of the alligator. And it takes a lot of the dirt and grime and uh, moss and things like that that are on the alligator hide, and you're just getting it cleaned up. It makes a big difference whenever you send it to the tannery. Okay. <clears throat> um, so this this is the thing about skinning alligators. I did not learn there are multiple ways to skin an alligator based on what you're going to do with it. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about each and how it's done? Um, yeah. There's basically three ways that you'll skin an alligator. The first one I'll talk about is taxidermy. If you're going to have your alligator taxidermy, and that's full body mount, shoulder mount, whatever the case may be that you're going to taxidermy, the first thing you need to do is have a taxidermist already located. We know what that taxidermist expects, what he wants, how he wants it skinned, how he wants it handled. Um, make sure, you know, how, how he wants it opened up. Some taxidermists may want it opened up down the back. Some may want it opened up down the belly. Before you ever go hunting and you're going to try to do a full body mount, make sure that you have that taxidermist secured. The next is what up here, we're going to do is horn backing. Uh, whenever you horn back one, that is you take and you split them right down the belly, right down the stomach, all the way from the tip of the tail all the way up to the bottom of the chin, and then you remove the entire hide leaving the horn back intact on the alligator. This would be like for a wall mount. Um, you take every every centimeter of that hide to the tannery. Um, keep in mind that's very costly. It costs a lot more to horn back tan an alligator. It costs a lot more to horn back skin one. It's, it's a lot more time consuming and you do have to flip the alligator whenever you uh, skin one like that you can't you can't skin him sitting upright and the final way and probably the most common way to skin an alligator is what we call the belly skin and that's when you take and you leave one row of scoops on the alligator hide or you can take and cut right against the scoops and take them off all the way down the back but you are leaving the belly the leather, the flank, the tail, everything intact. You're just removing the horn back and leaving it on the on the uh, carcass. And this is a commercial way of doing it. This is this is a way that you skin one for boots and things like that. Okay. And is there like so if somebody was going for the meat and all, um, can you still access all the meat with leaving the horn back on? Yes, actually, you can access more meat. You, to me, have a much cleaner meat gathering, meat harvesting job that way because you can harvest 95% of the meat and never have to roll the alligator or do anything with the alligator. In fact, I think I, the way I skin them, I harvest all of the meat and really never have to flip the alligator. I'm just peeling him down, removing the hide from the top to the bottom. And I'm able to harvest all of the meat right off the side and, and never have to flip that alligator. So what I'm getting at is my meat never touches the table. Yeah. Um, so th these are going to kind of go hand in hand, but we're going to cover all, cover <clears throat> um, how to handle the hide after skinning and like how to keep it from spoiling um, after you skin it? Number one thing, 
I do. I've got to just try to explain this a little bit. I'm going to go back to the skinning process a little bit. I belly skin virtually the majority of all my alligators that I skin, whether I'm doing it for someone um, commercially or whether I'm skinning my own. I start on the alligator's right-hand side and I go to the tail. And whenever I get to the tail and come back up the left-hand side, I start at the tail and go back to the jaw. What that does, I'm right-handed, so I'm always cutting in the direction of a right-hand cut. I'm not cutting backwards. I'm always going forward with my cut. Makes a huge difference to me. If I try to start and go backwards, it, it's, it's much more difficult to flip and come backwards down the other side of the alligator. Um, you've never done it before, you just about a guarantee you're going to cut holes in your alligator. You just have to learn the anatomy. There are just certain places in there that the way the leather and the, the carcass work together, it's just you have to learn the anatomy of the alligator. So just honestly, if you are new at this and you cut a hole in your alligator head, the only thing that you can do is keep skinning. I mean, you're not going to fix the hide. The biggest thing is to try to be as fast as possible, though, and get that hide off. Don't, you, know, you, you, you don't want to sit out there for six hours trying to skin an alligator. That's why it's so important to be prepared. Once you put that alligator up on the table and you start making those opening cuts, just go with it. Um, I enjoy skinning. So get it done, get the hide knocked off. Once the hide is knocked off, the first thing you need to do is stick it in an ice slurry and bring that alligator hide down as cold as you possibly can, as quick as you possibly can. I actually stick a quarter cup of Clorox in that ice slurry to kill bacteria. And, uh, you know, bacteria and heat are your two things that are just, they're not good for alligator hides. Yeah. So I will try to chill them out as quick as possible. Keep in mind, though, an ice slurry is not a long-term solution for your alligator hide. You don't want to leave it in an ice slurry for two, three days, 48, 72, 96 hours. You're going to spoil that hide. And for sure, if you are leaving it for over 12 to 14 hours, change that water out. Get that muddy water off of that alligator hide. Okay. And um, so, like, if let's say you throw a nice slurry and you're worried about if it did spoil, what are some indicators that an alligator hide has spoiled? The biggest indicator is the scales slipping. If you start seeing scales slipping off your alligator hide, chances are you've allowed that alligator to get too hot. Um, you want the scales to stay on that hide all the way to the tannery. That is the goal. That's why it's so important as soon as you take him out of the water to get him covered, don't put him on a hot bottom boat, put some ice on him and get him, get him to the shade and in the ice as quickly as possible and cool him down because the scale slipping is one of the first indicators that you're letting it go, you know, you're letting it get too hot and the hide starting to slip. Boy. Yeah. Um, and then... So, yeah, we covered that in the meat. Um, I'm, a, I'm assuming the meat is very similar to um, the, the hide to keep it from spoiling. You want to keep it cool. Any other things to Correct. do to keep it from spoiling? As soon as I bring the alligator, as soon as I bring the meat off, I drop it in an ice chest immediately in an ice slurry. You know, it goes straight from the alligator into the ice slurry. Um, and for those that are not understanding what I'm calling an ice slurry, that is just simply 20 pounds of ice and a 120-quart ice chest half-filled with water. You want your water, you know, right at there at 32 degrees. Um, 
you keep the ice and the and the water chilled as much as possible. Don't let it get hot. And I take that alligator meat and I drop it in that ice slurry as soon as possible. Or as soon as I take it off, actually. I take it and drop it in the ice slurry. I try to get the tail meat right off the bat because that's where you get your prime and best cuts of alligator meat. But I actually remove all my meat as I'm going down through there. Okay. Per side. Um, and when you're butchering an alligator, is it as similar to butchering any animal, or is there any like special things that you may have to do with an alligator that you won't have to do with, let's let's say, a um, a deer or something of that sort? Yeah, I mean, um, it's totally different because it is a reptile, and it's virtually the anatomy, knowing the anatomy of the animal, because it's, it's not like, per se, a deer where you're going to, well, I guess, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's, it's virtually all the same. The one thing that I do is I would try to remove as much fat. I do not like the fat. I don't like the fat on the meat. I don't like it in the meat. I don't like it cooked with it. So I try to remove as much fat as possible. And there's just certain places in there that you will actually see that there are just thick layers of fat, and you can remove them, you know, with a with a beefing knife is what I use, and I'll cut all that fat off. Um, other than that, it's it's virtually the same. Have you ever? So this is really like kind of just because my own thing. Uh, have you ever tried to use the alligator fat, whether it be to make candles or anything like that? I've actually rendered it for trapping lures, but um, no, I, I I know that they used to, I believe, make soap out of it. What I've heard, read, that back in the uh, turn of the century, eighteen hundreds, they would use the alligator fat for soap and some other things. I do know that. I've rendered the fat in two different ways. I've hot rendered and I've cold rendered. It kind of sounds crazy, but whenever I cold render it, it comes out really, really clear, and it has a really, really fishy smell. Whenever I hot render it, it comes out red, and it does not have a fishy smell. It has a very distinct painted smell. I do use the alligator rendering for two different Two completely different things. Yeah. I, I was just wondering because, um, you know, I read something about my family history and they had talked about that um, my great great grandpa's uncles and all used to live out there and they were alligator hunters and all back in like turn of, turn of the 19th century. So from 1899 to 1900, that time frame. Um, and they talked about using alligator grease to slick back their hair because that was the only thing they had in the swamps to do. So that's, I just, I was just asking if you'd ever done anything else. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. Um, that's, that's pretty interesting. I like that. Uh, if I had some hair, to, if I had some hair to slick back, I might would try that. Yeah. I mean, well, now they did have the nickname of the nasty Windeckers. So, I don't know how well it's that that might be why. <laughs> All right. So, anything else you want to touch up on alligator hunting or um, skinning or anything like that with it? Man, the main thing that I want everybody to know is it's a uh, it's a really fun process. Make it fun. Don't don't make it a chore. Um, and, you know, you are a hunting animal that can hunt you. Proper planning prevents poor performance. We've always heard that. But in this case, proper planning takes a lot more. Number one, scouting. Uh, make sure you have a good boat secured. Make sure you're using good lines. Um, there's one thing I want to go back and touch base on on my lines. The way that I tie my lines out, I always have a knot approximately five foot from my hook. And I use float rope generally, and I double 
slip knotted, uh, reversible, a uh, non-reversible, let me rephrase that, a non-reversible net knot, what I call them. And I lock them in place to a number 96. And the reason that that knot is so important, because if you're out in the, you're out in the water and you have moss and everything else is getting wrapped up around the alligator or the line, and you're trying to find out where the alligator is, the last thing you want to do is stick your hand in the mouth of an alligator trying to pull that moth back. And that came out of necessity because I actually did that one time. And I realized that I just stuck my hand in a 10-foot alligator's mouth. After that, I always made sure that I had a knot of some kind at about five foot from the end of my hook. Um, and if you will, it's just an arm's length. Uh, not an arm's length, but if I just stick my, you know, both arms out the side, that's how far I want that away from the end of that hook. It may be more of like five and a half foot for me. Yeah. Um, whenever I hit that knot, I know where I know where my hook is. So at that point in time, I start slowing down. Very, you know, I know that the hook is five foot away. Um, always make sure though that it's fun. Be safe. I mean, you are dealing with a you are dealing with an animal that's on the line in the water. If you're going, whenever you dispatch the alligator, make sure that you know where everyone in your boat is. Make sure that you know where other boats are in relationship to you and where you're dispatching. And uh, I also say this too, always make sure you have your life jacket on. Uh, God forbid you get dumped in the water because of a alligator. You don't want to be in the water without a life jacket on. So I always say, wear your life jacket when you're dispatching alligators. Yep. Um, Safety first, you know. Uh, it is. I mean, you don't, you don't want... You don't want your alligator hunting to be the last memory people have of you. Yeah. Because of, you know, something that you could have prevented. All right. So we're going to shift gears a little bit, and I'm going to let Tony talk about the Louisiana Trapper and Alligator Hunters Association. And um, first thing is, what is the purpose of Louisiana Trapper and Alligator Hunters Association? The purpose of the Louisiana Trappers and Alligator Hunter Association is to educate trappers and the general public uh, about management of species, about how we manage them, whether it's alligators, whether it's uh, fur, uh, mammals that are considered fur animals. And that is probably, that is our only goal, virtually, is education. Um, we represent all all trappers, all alligator hunters. We represent them at industry levels with the AAC, with the FAC, and these are uh, councils that work with the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries to make our industry better. And so. That's probably the number one goal of the LCHA, uh, Louisiana Trap and Alligator Hunter Association, is to educate and to make the industry better. So if somebody wanted to be a part of this and become a member, um, how can they go about joining the LTHA? It's really, really simple. You can go to the website, Louisiana Trapper and Alligator Hunters Association, uh, dot com, or you can, you know, L-T-A-H-A, and look that up, and from the website, you can join there. There's uh, a couple of types of memberships that we have. The first one is just a plain membership. All we're after is we want to know how to get in contact with you and send you newsletters and keep you informed about what's going on inside the industry, and that's $20. For $34 a year, you get a magazine. It's called the Trapper's Post. And that comes 10, 10 times a year. You'll get the Trapper's Post for $34 a year. And then, of course, we have a lifetime membership, which is $300. Uh, 
for one time, you get the lifetime membership. Um, we are looking at having to change that a little bit, and the you know the, the pricing a little bit on our membership, just to keep up with the times and the inflation. But that's how you become a member. Becoming a member, you get voting rights. We do have a convention once a year. Uh, the by the bylaws, it is the second week of April every year. Sometimes we do have to change that a little bit because of weather or location. Um, we also have rendezvous. We have gatherings, and we do have national representation. Um, we do a lot of education around the state each year, and. For trapping purposes, we have what are called one-day events. We have five to six of those in strategic locations around the state. We try to hit all four corners in the central part of the state with one-day events. And, of course, the one-day event is a prerequisite to go to a three-day event where you actually go on a trap line, a trap line with actual instructors. And you actually sit, and we do everything. Um, scouting, setting, harvesting the animals, and then we bring them back and pelt them out. Um, we will actually consume the meat there on those. We, we use that, the meat, say, off of the beaver or the neutral. We'll actually cook that, and we'll use that to supplement our weekend meals. And that's probably the highlight of the year is to go to a three-day event and participate in that. Yeah, it's a blast. And, um, you know, when like the conventions and when we do the rendezvous, I, I was telling somebody, I said, you know, you had made it and said, you know, it's it's everybody there. It's a different type of convention. You know, everybody's friendly. Everybody will talk to you. And you made a you made a statement that you said, you know, if a kid falls down and hurts themselves and cry, everybody's going to turn to see what's wrong there. Nobody's going to look away. Everybody's going to try to help them, you know, so. Um. I want to, because we're talking about alligator, I will I will tell you where that came from, because for any of the old timers that are sitting here listening to this, they may remember a gentleman by the name of Benny Welch from Cameron, Louisiana. Um, Mr. Benny's the one that told me that. He was at one of our conventions, and he told me, he said, I want you to look around at all these people from every walk of life. He said, you let one of those little babies fall down. He said, they don't know the difference between a, 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 the cry. He said, there's not a person out here that wouldn't break their neck to get over there and help that baby. He said, you always keep that in mind. He said, you are surrounded by some of the best people Louisiana has to offer right here at this Trappers Convention. And that always stuck with me. So do they have any <clears throat> any events that are planned and coming up um, in the future? Oh, we do. We have, we, right now we have instructor workshops that are coming up. Um, the instructor workshops, to be an instructor, you have to go to workshops and do continuing education every year. It's a requirement. And we do, believe it or not, we actually work hard on our instructors. Um, we do, you, you're aware of it because you're part of it. You know we're constantly talking. We're constantly trying to make our, get our instructors better. Um, we have our instructor workshops coming up September the 16th and September the 30th. And they are held. We've already had one in South Louisiana. We're having the second one in Central Louisiana. And the third one will be up here in my area at Red River Refuge the 30th. And then we start the actual workshops, and I believe they start in December. I don't have that in front of me. I should, but I don't. Um, you can look on our website or the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries website or contact me, and I can get you that information. Um, and there is a, is it a rendezvous or a convention coming up? 
Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. There's a rendezvous coming up. That's November the 18th. That's two days before traffic season begins. That's my mind totally. That's the fun time. There's no politics goes on there. There's no there's no convention. We're not having to deal with business. We're not we're not having general member meetings and all those different things. So those the rendezvous to me are way more relaxed. I love those. They're fun. And that is just that. It's a rendezvous. It's us getting ready for trapping season. Um, we're actually gonna do an alligator demo there this year. I will be doing a full on alligator demo showing you how to tie hooks from tip to tail, hang them the way I hang them, the way I hook them, the way I bait them, every aspect of it. The only thing I won't be doing is skinning an alligator. And um, where is that? Is that at Dewey Wills this year? That's a Dewey, that is at Dewey Wills WMA. That is correct. We have secured that location for November the 18th, starts at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we'll go till till everybody gets tired and we're ready to go home. We'll load up and we'll cut out that afternoon. Um, and for the people that's never been to one of these and they're like, ah, what's the point of going? Um, they do have vendors there. Um, I don't know, do you have a vendor list that off the top of your head that you could say some of the vendors that are there or? I uh, do not right now. We're working hard. There's quite a few other events going on that weekend. We're actually competing to get vendors there. Um, Oki Trapper is uh, one of our biggest vendors that will come, and he has a full line on everything. Lures, traps, fur, you name it. If you can, if you need it in the industry, he has it. Um, We'll have a fur buyer. I do know that we're going to have a fur buyer there. And Danny Perry, granted, there's no fur to be sold at this time, but Danny's going to be there letting us know where we're at in the market and what to expect. He's going to have, I mean, two days before season open, he's going to have the prices. He's going to, he's going to tell you what he's after, what he's, what he's wanting. So. Um, and so. It's free. Doesn't cost a dime to get in it. That's where you, I was about you don't even have to be a member. Yeah, you don't even have to be a member. You can just come hang out with us. If you don't, if you don't want to be a member after hanging out with us, that's fine. But we're like, you know, it's a lot of good people there, and I promise you, if you come back to another one, you're going to see familiar faces. And before long, next thing you know, is you've got some of the best friends you'll ever make in your life. I have made at these events. You know, I made a I made a joke to my girlfriend the other day. I said, you know, if it wouldn't be for being a member of the Trappers Association, I wouldn't have to have phone calls on my phone. <laughs> like yeah. everybody else texts me, you know. <laughs> but so, all right, Tony, I don't want to take yeah, up my- too much of your time, and we're sitting at about an hour for this podcast, so it went over well. Um, uh, anything else or? Anything else going on with it that anything in the trapping no, world? No, if anybody do what? Go ahead. There's nothing there's nothing really in the trapping world, but if anybody has any questions about the alligator season, that's the hottest topic right now because it is alligator season. We're fixing to start. And this is something that I want to see the LTHA do more of, and that is education on the alligator side. We are looking at putting together a uh, series of videos. And when we put these videos out, you know, we'll we'll try to broadcast them out the best we can. But if anyone has any questions, don't hesitate to find a way to get in touch with me or someone else. Uh, you know, the dumb question is the one you don't ask. I'd rather I'd rather you know have people call and ask questions that's been asked ten thousand times and actually know the answer before they get out there alligator hunting and not be able to. Yeah, because alligators, there's one resource that Louisiana, I know, does take seriously. Um, And one thing we did not cover, and like last year we tanned our alligator, is that once the site, like, you had to bring the, we had to call the biologist to actually come out there and inspect the hides after we had taken them off since we were keeping them ourselves. I don't know if you sell them, if they do it maybe at the buyers or um, like that. So They do. They, if, you, if you sell it, your paperwork, you've got to keep up with your paperwork on alligator. Alligator is a 
the recovered endangered species, the CITES tag that goes in them, that stands for Convention in the Trade of Endangered Species, Flora and Pluma. And that CITES tag is what actually allows us to trade the Louisiana alligator around the world. We are certifying that that is a completely recovered, non-endangered and that hide is certified to the state of Louisiana with that CITES tag, they can literally tell the purchaser of that alligator hide the day that alligator was caught, the parish that alligator was caught in, the person who caught that alligator, and they can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was taken legally and it is not an endangered species. So it is very, very important to honor and take care of these sightings tags. Once you have that alligator and it has been skinned and, you know, we didn't get into all of the fleshing and salting and all of that of the alligator hide, that would have to be a different podcast. But once you get into this alligator hide, has to be inspected by the state of Louisiana. And that is the final certification that it was actually an alligator. The biologist did inspect it, and he knows that it was a Louisiana alligator, and it had the proper sighting tag in it, properly placed. And at that point in time, then that alligator becomes legal for trade, tanning. It can leave the state of Louisiana with the proper shipping tag. So there's a lot more goes into alligator hunting than any other species in the state. However, the program is a success story because we did, in fact, recover an endangered species and brought it back through virtually through a capitalist market. Yeah. You know, we tied money to it and the alligators totally recovered. Yeah. When, when the biologist came out to inspect mine, you know, he looked at the highs and he said, and he looking at the size and all, and um, they, they do with the reintroduction program and they put, I think they call them toe rings on them where the, Back one of the back foots will have a uh, both both back feet. Both back feet. So yeah, yeah, and they do that for the release alligators. Yeah. So he asked us if any of our alligators had toe rings on them, and I was like, none of the three. And he's like, well, that's a good thing. That means they're reproducing well in the wild, you know. So, which correct I actually because it would be like a duck band at that point, right? <laughs> Correct, and I and I actually have I actually have a couple of the uh, rings. I keep them on a keychain. I actually have recovered, I think, three of those in my my years of doing it. I've actually picked up three of them. Yep. All right, Tony. I appreciate it. It was fun. Anytime you want to come back, you're more than welcome to come back. Because um, not only alligators, I know you know your way around the trap line, also. Um, so, well, I just hope this benefits somebody. Yeah. And, and, you know, I wanted to say, I, I wanted to do this podcast because last year when I did it, there was hardly no res there was really no resources that were there. Like, you know, to say, Hey, let me look at this, listen to this, see how this is done. It just wasn't there. And the little bit they had out was vague and outdated, you know? Well, again, I'm hoping that through the LTHA, we will be able to we will be able to change that. We're going to try to put out some videos, tip to tail, A to Z, to try to make sure that any alligator that is harvested gets either into the market properly, or your trophy is a true trophy and you get to use the full benefit of it. So. Look forward to that coming out in the next year or so, hopefully. Yeah. And, of course, if you follow my Instagram, Facebook, I'll po- I will put any of that information out. Um, the To join the association, I will put out I'll, – I'll leave the link to where all you have to do is click on the link, click on what membership you want, put you know, whatever – I think it's your credit card number they need, and be able to join right then and there in the show notes. So, all right, Tony, I'll let you go. Have a good day. All right, appreciate it. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Well, there you go, folks. That'll wrap it up for this one. Great podcast. I want to thank you again, Tony, for coming on, taking the time out of your day to record that podcast. So if you have any questions about any of this stuff and you reach out to me, I'll reach out to Tony and get an answer for you. Or if I know it, I'll answer it myself, obviously. But um, if you want to be involved in the Louisiana Trapper and Alligator Hunters Association, I will leave a link in the show notes below to where you can go ahead and join. Also, anytime you want to join, you go on my link tree. I think I have a, it says join Louisiana Trapper and Alligator, Louisiana Trapper and Alligator Hunters Association here. And it's the same link, but um, good luck if y'all are hunting alligators. If not, Always put in for that draw. Um, if you're a property owner, it will be out there. You know, be exciting to see. I want to see y'all pictures. Tag us in the pictures of the alligators y'all harvest. I want to see these pictures. Um, and you can find us all over social media at B-Side Outdoors. Um, my link tree will be in the show notes below. I will also leave a link for the Louisiana Trapper and Alligator Hunters Association's Facebook page. Where you can go ahead and follow them. And as always, we want to thank all of our veterans, our first responders, and everyone else that keeps this world turning so that we can go out there, do the things we do, and I hope to catch everyone on the B-side of the outdoors. <laughs>